0: episode 239 of the mcsauce comic book podcast my name is paul mcginty and with me tonight is matt cassell hey
1: how's it going that was like two because i had to fill in for the vacant
0: chair tonight it is a two-man booth tonight if you tuned in for the dulcet tones of ian sharply you're shit out of luck two-man booth just me and matt rolling in here tonight the dulcet tones yeah what does that mean? Just kind of chill, relaxed, huh? When you said
1: Dulcet, was I the only one that thought of Dulcet from Street Fighter Two?
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you remember and him? Of the two of us in this room, yes. But no. yeah, I remember dulcet. He He's the skinny Indian guy. Yeah, yeah. Long limbs. He's
1: good for. I feel like more of a a long range counter attacker.
0: I guess so. Did you want to? Did you ever want to use Dulcet?
1: Not in my younger years. I always liked to be the Americans when I was yeah. just a young tyke. And uh, so I would either be Ken or I would be Guile. And I felt like Ken was easier
0: to use. Because um, Ken was fake Asian.
1: Yeah, but Guile was like kind of cooler. He had the cooler hair and the he'd comb his hair after
0: he would defeat you. He was but, like the Street Fighter version of Johnny Bravo. possibly he had the big the big high blonde hair he did He'd comb and, it
1: yeah and it, and it flared outward as well but it was kind of flat on top yeah, it was weird yeah but uh, that was Jean-Claude Van Damme that was the role that he played forecasting yeah yeah probably not super accurate but his but in the game he was always harder to use I thought like his special moves you know the sonic boom and whatever the backwards flip kick that he did, Sonic kick, something like that, Uh, I felt like that Ken was easier. But I feel like if I was going to play Street Fighter today, Dalsim would be my guy. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, who would you go
0: with? Like, Uh, what kind of fighter do you feel you would be? M. Bison.
1: You'd be M. Bison? Yeah, I was all the time. Wait, M. Bison. Oh, M. Bite. He's the main bad guy in it. The guy in the red. Yes. I was thinking Balrog. Oh. Who? He who was playing? he was the boxer that looked like Mike Tyson oh, and I think yeah, they yeah, called yeah. M Bison that because it he was they were going to make Balrog M Bison but it was too similar to, oh, Mike, to Mike Tyson Dyson. so they made um they M. Made,
0: Bison, the, the Nazi guy I
1: he kinda, yeah some kind of military type
0: Yeah I played that <laughs> a lot for maybe a year like a lot over one year but I don't remember a whole lot about it, other than character names. Like I couldn't tell you what anyone's moves were. Yeah, but and I there were I played
1: a lot of it. There were, it what's funny is like a lot of characters just had initials, like and then their last name, like E Honda. Mm. <laughs> it's like why, why couldn't you say his real name? What is E Honda's real name? Eric. Eric Honda. Yeah. Um, now, Paul, were you more of a of a Street Fighter guy then, or a Mortal Combat? Uh, street Fighter, I think
0: to this day I've never played Mortal Kombat.
1: Really. Yeah. Like never even picked
0: up a controller and I don't I may have I may have once but I don't think I did. Um I played in like a shitty high school band years ago like right after right between high school and college I guess. And they they turned me off of Pearl Jam and Mortal Kombat because that was all they did. They wanted to cover Pearl Jam songs, and when they weren't covering Pearl Jam songs, they were playing Mortal Kombat, and I really had no interest in either.
1: Well, that's because you were more of a Street Fighter guy. Yeah. If they had been playing Street Fighter,
0: yeah, but like uh, I, I th- think at that at that point, I wanted to play, I wanted to play music, I wanted to play right some stuff, and like I, I like Pearl Jam enough, like you know, I played a bunch of Pearl Jam songs, but. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be a Pearl Jam cover band. I wanted to, sp- you know, sp- let's spread our wings. Let's try some different stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, why don't we try this new Pearl Jam song, and then Mortal Kombat, and they just burned me out. Burned yeah. me out real bad. On both. Well,
1: they should have figured out a way to combine the two. You know, write songs that sound like Pearl Jam, but you're singing about Johnny Cage and shit <laughs> like that. Wait, Johnny Cage
0: is Mortal Kombat.
1: Yeah, he's well. Okay, so. Do you do you know some of the Mortal Kombat characters? Like I feel like those guys have kind of permeated uh, pop culture. Yeah, even if I you're know not
0: a um, player. I know Raiden and Sub Zero. Right, Liu Kang and uh, nope, Raiden and Sub Zero. Sonya that's Blade because they're the King. oh, and I know that one girl. I always forget her. Uh, I always forget her name. She's super sexy, but she has like a mouthful of grizzly teeth or something.
1: Um, Melina, Melina, yeah,
0: that sounds
1: right. Is she, I think she wears purple, or maybe yeah. that's the blue nope. one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one. They all
1: kind of look the same cuz back in the day, I think what they did was they basi- basically used the same motion capture on everybody and just changed the colors of some like Sub-Zero and Scorpion
0: was like the same thing. Yeah, I think what a Are we still in housekeeping?
1: We haven't even gotten there yet, <laughs> Paul. But what I like about this is I have tricked you into talking video games and you haven't gone to sleep yet.
0: Well, this is like this is when I can when I can participate, when like I have opinions and know things about video games, I don't mind talking about it, but whenever, like, uh, Super Nintendo, went, what, what came first, or what came last? Super Nintendo or Genesis? Genesis. Uh, no,
1: Super Nintendo was about a year behind Genesis.
0: Um, so, Super Nintendo was the last video game system I played. So, whenever you and Ian get into, like, the cube and the 64 and like all that stuff and like you guys have a much wider breadth of of different video games that you played like by the time you get into playstation which was um what those guys would play mortal Kombat on like i was out like i didn't play any of those first person shooters i didn't wasn't doom one of the first like Big game, yeah, yeah. As yeah far like as I, first person shooter, I never go. played any of that stuff. I had no, I had no interest in it. That so was when you guys PC get into game. that. That's when I like that's when I dip out. But, but between Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, yeah, 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 you
1: missed the 32 bit era. That would have been the, the PlayStation era. And there was some big shit that came out, like Metal Gear and Resident Evil. I remember
0: the Nintendo Metal Gear.
1: Well, that was the original one, yeah. but the one that I feel like really became a, a bit of a phenomenon was the Metal Gear Solid on PlayStation. That was the yeah. one that kind of kicked off that whole franchise and is responsible for w- the way we know Metal Gear today.
0: Snake Snakeson? Isn't that the main His guy's name? His
1: name was uh, it, close. It was Solid Snake.
0: Ugh, I knew it.
1: And then he had a twin, like, clone brother, a twin clone? Blake Ar- Blakeson. <laughs> his name was liquid snake but oh. I think he was the inferior version of solid snake which I thought shouldn't he be the superior version because you have to somehow figure out a way to overcome the the better version than yourself not the shitty angry version
0: but if you're the solid snake you can only do one thing if you're the liquid snake you can become solid and liquid you're more versatile how do you know that what what are you what? I'm just basing it on the the properties of liquids and solids. Well, if there's anything you know. know it's
1: science.
0: I don't I, I know science. I, I'm I'm sure they were just army guys and they didn't have any any super superpowers.
1: Such absurd names. Okay, so very quickly back to Mortal Kombat and, and Street Fighter. Which one do you feel like is kind of bigger in pop culture? Mortal Kombat. Yeah. You think like your average person would be able to name a couple Mortal Kombat guys before they can name like Guile or Ken or Ryu. Yeah, I,
0: I, th- and I think, um, I think more people, I, more people would accidentally name Mortal Kombat characters than like you'd say, name me a Street Fighter character to a you know video game novice like myself, and I'd be like, uh, Sub Zero. <laughs> so yeah, I think Mortal Kombat has I, yeah, more I think cultural permeance. Right.
1: I wish that Mortal Kombat was like, because I think it's actually a really neat property. I just wish it was in better hands. I wish it was treated better, whether it be in comic books, movies, or whatever, uh, or even the video games themselves. I feel like the the actual concept is way more interesting or well or re- well realized than the execution in the various media. But anyway, Paul, we're not here to talk video games.
0: Well, one, though- la- one last thing. Oh, before housekeeping. I think I think one of my, my one of my big draws toward Street Fighter over Mortal Kombat was the animation. I like the cartoony style better. Yeah, the cartoony style. Like Mortal Kombat was trying to do realistic animation before they could really do realistic animation, and, but yeah, for sure back then it was like, "Oh my god, this game looks right. so great." But I I think, like, when you look back on, when I look back on those games now, I'm like, ugh. Like, you see what they were going for, and it didn't land. But there's... It did at the time. Right, at the time, but it it, it didn't hold up. I think if you look back at Street Fighter now, like, it has a a certain charm to it because it's still, it's cartoony. It's not trying to be anything other than what it was. right. And I, I I think it it holds up better, but back then, yeah, I, I think I liked I liked the animation style better. Um, I think probably subconsciously I liked that it wasn't as over the top violent. I like that it was it was just more of a like rough and tumble game than it was like ripping people's spines out.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. I think Mortal Kombat kind of had to be what it was, so that way it could be its own thing and very different. I mean, because it, you know did copy a lot of what Street Fighter did. I I don't think there were there was another fighting game quite as polished as Street Fighter up until Mortal Kombat came out. And then the whole genre exploded yeah. and then there were like millions of fighting games, but at the time I do think that Mortal Kombat was like the the very next one that was had any any relevance whatsoever. And I think if they had just copied Street Fighter Nobody would have ever remembered Mortal Kombat, so I think they kind of had to go in that more realistic way. But like, it is funny to see how that style doesn't hold up to today's standards. Where I mean, neither one really holds up that great. But like, I don't know, the Street Fighter is just looks better for today. But at the time, it's funny because everybody would have thought Mortal Kombat looked better.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. At the time, sure. And like this is what happens when Ian's not around. Twelve minutes into the episode, we haven't done housekeeping yet.
1: Well, Paul, why don't we, why don't we get to? Hey, wait! I lost my notes.
0: Doesn't look like anyone's doing housekeeping tonight. No, no, they they just disappeared for a second. <clears throat> I got
1: them here. Uh, so, uh, mixos.com. That I'm going to housekeeping right yeah. now. Right. Yeah. Okay. House. So keep, Mc, keep that house. com. It is the home of all things. MixSauce. That's where you can find this lovely podcast, as well as other places like iTunes and Stitcher and Podomatic and Libsyn. I mean, if one of those doesn't work for you, I don't know what to tell you, Paul.
0: Then you probably don't know how to work computers or phones, right?
1: Then you're my mother. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, MixSauce.com. Uh if, if that's not enough, you want to stay in touch with us, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're posting new artwork, new uh, updates, for example. Paul, where are we going to be this weekend?
0: This weekend we're going to be in the lovely West Mifflin area of Pittsburgh, PA, at the Three Rivers Comic Con at Century Three Mall.
1: The third annual.
0: The third annual we've done it all three years. It's a pleasure um it's hosted by new dimension comics pittsburgh's largest um comic book chain yep and uh yeah like you know it's it's hosted by a bunch of really good people that you know we've we've become good friends with and um you know they take care of us we like going out there hanging around for a couple of days selling some stuff getting the exhaust word out and um you know, supporting some good folks. That's right. We will be there in the flesh, pressing the flesh.
1: If you guys miss Ian tonight, don't worry; he will be there in person, so you can come and shake his hand and press his flesh. Press his flesh. And um, and one last thing, guys: if you do go onto our Facebook page, just give us a like. Really appreciate it. Or if you enjoyed this podcast, or let's face it, even if you didn't, please give us a nice review because it definitely helps us get noticed. So we would appreciate that. But Paul, we didn't really even talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. I kind of threw a monkey wrench in it right from the beginning. See what a disaster this show <laughs> is without Ian. It's like we've never done it before.
0: We don't know how to operate. you think with less people, there would be less catastrophe. I
1: feel like we're, we're such a well-oiled machine, and when you take one of the gears
0: out of the machine, the whole thing just doesn't work. It's so rare that... It is a two man booth. We haven't. I, I don't remember the last time. It's been years. It's that, been years. That there, there were only two of us. And was it uh, Sauce's '70s Central Sanctuary? Um, Sauce's it, Central '70s Sanctuary episode. I. I don't. Or was it me and you?
1: I don't know. I. It might have been the one without me. Um. I missed one. Actually, I missed a couple. I had to work one night, and you guys went ahead and did it. And then there was another one that I missed. I had the flu. It was we recorded or well, you guys recorded on New Year's Day and I had the flu. It was the sickest I have ever been as an adult. I mean projectile vomiting, projectile other end. I mean, it mm-hmm. was a disaster. Hershey squirts. Yeah. Yeah. I I think <laughs> I, I coined think. the term for that, for diarrhea. I coined the term poop soup and I feel like there's something to it. I feel like I'm surprised it hasn't caught on. Now I've never actually told anybody on the podcast before poop soup, but we'll see if that catches well, I, on. We've
0: definitely talked poop soup on the podcast. I think Yeah, I but think, never that moniker. I think no, I think we have. Really? The, the term poop soup. Yeah. I think poop soup is a pretty accurate Name. I think it's fitting. I think Hershey Squirts dresses it up a little bit too much.
1: Well, I think so too. And it also adds a level of thickness to it. But when we're talking straight up like pissing out your ass. Yeah,
0: it's like just, it's like pouring, you know, Campbell's vegetable soup out of your asshole.
1: It, how does that happen? Like what? (laughs) I just
0: don't understand. I don't know if I want to understand, but, um, yeah, I, I, Poop soup. Way, way more, way more accurate. It's, it's super gross though. I like, I like, I like the rhyming. Yeah. But I don't know.
1: But anyway, so I was so freaking sick. And I remember I was like hoping that I would be better enough that I could come out New Year's Day and record, you know, first episode of the year, but nope, it was not meant to be.
0: Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take us on another tangent real fast because I, I, I need to mention it. Uh, I don't like the song "New Year's Day" by U2, and it's because of the way Bono says "New Year's Day." Like he puts a he puts a like a n e y e w u New Year's Day. Give Give me a whole verse there. I don't know it. That's the only part that's in my head uh, now. You said New Year's Day. <laughs> Well, how did I times, say it? And because that's when Ian and I did it without you it was on
1: New Year's Day. Right. Did I say New Year's Day you correctly? You said New Year's Yeah,
0: you said it correctly. But Bono puts uh extra Irish, you know, uh twang on it and <laughs> motherfuck do I hate that song. I heard it I heard it on vacation. And that like it's it's but clearly it's been in the back of my head since then because here we are again. Now, do you typically like you two?
1: No. Oh,
0: okay. So you- I mean um, I, Well I'm I'm that, that, That's harsh I'm indifferent to you two There are I love With or Without You And I love One But other than that I'm like You know I can give or take You two What about yeah, you? I,
1: I just can't keep up When we're gonna talk music I, I Cause I don't think I, I maybe would recognize The songs if I heard them but Yeah Considering these are Not genres that I give a shit about
0: I, I just can't keep up yeah they're pretty they're pretty popular though uh, but like in I, the mainstream you have to under, like in, right. a, in Home Depot you're gonna come across some but of I'll YouTube. hear
1: it but I won't like think about oh what's this called so that way I can uh, have a frame of reference next time I hear it it's just like oh that's that song again I think I've heard it before mm-hmm. um, there's there's no reason for me to even care enough to understand who is performing that i mean i know what bono sounds like and i certainly know how he says new now
0: new year's day terrible uh there's um oh there's a, there's one more youtube two song i like i think it was on the reality bites soundtrack yeah i like that one so yeah like three songs out of their entire catalog like, that's not a good yeah a, a good track record same with the same with the beatles though i'm not really a beatles guy Like, I I like a handful of songs, but I don't own any Beatles. Mm -hmm. I've never, like, I never, I've never bought any Beatles. Like, I've, so, I don't know, buddy. Uh,
1: The album that I've been listening to a lot lately is um, Alan Silvestri's uh, Avengers Infinity War. It's pretty good. And then that took me down the Alan Silvestri rabbit hole a little bit, and... Alan Silvestri as you know is mostly known for his music on um Back to the Future which is an incredibly iconic score. Um I think it is. You're you're making a face like you're trying to f- remember how it goes.
0: No, I was trying to think of um the re- I was trying to think of the instrument that those key notes are played on. Um I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's the one they were using at the end of the Ready Player One trailers. Those
1: keynotes.
0: Those not like key piano keynotes, but like those those specific sounds. Like the specific noise that From From Back to the Future.
1: Um you mean like the main melody of the theme? Is it I don't know if I know like the part that goes. Oh, at the very end?
0: Yeah, they used it in the Ready Player One trailers. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't. I is feel Alan like I have to hear Alan Silvestri responsible for that. I can't believe you don't know. Alan Silvestri is responsible
1: about. for Ready Player One.
0: No, I meant the that's that particular uh, Back to the Future noise. Yeah,
1: I mean he wrote the the whole soundtrack. Yeah, sure. Think about Alan Silvestri. I feel uh, his music has always had a little bit of a a little bit of a darker kind of tone to it I think like even the the soundtrack to Back to the Future almost has a little bit of an ominous kind of thing and it's done with like almost happy instruments like pianos and stuff it's it's interesting there's like a lot of mystery kind of surrounding uh that that soundtrack
0: yeah yeah I don't aside from the main title I don't think I would be able to recognize any of it, like when I, I think feel like of, if you heard it,
1: you would the tone of it would kind of yeah. Would when I you. hear
0: when I think of Back to the Future, I think of Huey Lewis in the News.
1: <laughs> I think B. of Good. Johnny B. Good. Yeah, Uh I don't. There's also the Back in Time s- song. I don't know who did that. Huey Lewis. That was Huey Lewis. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, wait. Who played? Who was playing at the? um at the high school dance. Who was that supposed to be?
0: I don't know if it was, if it was supposed to be anyone. I thought it was a high school band.
1: No, I don't think so. I don't know. Um, but uh, here's okay. So when I went to uh, Star Wars Celebration 3 in Indianapolis back in 2005, about I guess about a month before the release of uh, Revenge of the Sith, maybe about three weeks before. If you were lucky enough to get into one of the theaters, um, and by the way, I have a story for that if you want to hear it, Um, but if you were lucky enough to get into one of the theaters, it was the one with Rick McCallum, uh, who at the time he Mm -hmm. was the producer of the uh, the special edition trilogy as well as the prequel trilogy. And he was presenting, you know, doing a really cool Q&A kind of thing, and then at the end of it, they played, um, kind of a montage of Revenge of the Sith. Like maybe it wasn't exactly like a trailer. It wasn't cut quite like a trailer. It was, it was definitely like a series of scenes, but it was playing to music. And I, for the longest time, I never knew what it was playing against. And as it turns out, it was Alan Silvestri music from, of all things, Van Helsing. You know that shitty yep. Hugh Jackman movie and it was really cool. It Like it kind of fit in its own unique way. Yeah. And yeah, it's um I'll have to figure out what the what the track was. I I'll look
0: it up, but um but it was pretty cool. So, um so you've been listening to the catalog of Alan Silvestri. No, you've been listening to yeah. Avengers Infinity War. Well, yeah, by and Alan then Silvestri. and then
1: I went down the Alan Silvestri yeah. and then it led me to Back to the Future and I've been listening to a lot more of that than anything. And I'm like, man, this is <sighs> this is bold. It might be a top 5 soundtrack kind of thing. Like the the power of the score, you like mean, the main theme The
0: power of love. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah I agree Huey Lewis top five yeah right I don't know you're the you're the score guy like I like I'm I'm not I can't I can't really listen to to scores the only scores that the only scores that I still listen to with any regularity are the original trilogy like I don't even have Superman the movie on my it's iTunes. more specific themes, maybe. Good no? For me, yeah, yeah. Like I can pick out like themes, but like I'm not gonna put on like the Jurassic Park soundtrack mm-hmm. and just listen to it. Like hmm. I don't own any any of that stuff either.
1: Well, you don't have any of the music subscription services, do you?
0: No. I find that so odd. You being such a music guy. Yeah, but I like I like what I like, and I've. I'm not, I'm not so much into it anymore. Like I listen, I listen to so many podcasts that that's what that's what takes up the majority of my listening time. Mm-hmm. Like I would rather listen to some of that stuff than than new albums. A bunch of a bunch of new albums came out last year that I wanted to get and I, and I never did because I'm like, when am I gonna get them, or when when am I gonna listen to them? I'm gonna get them. I'll like listen to them a couple times in the and car. Then like I'll go back to like you made it weird or something. Or, like, some podcast. Right. So, because, like, like all day at work or when I'm drawing, podcast. Like, when I'm in the car to and from somewhere, it's podcast. Especially now with hockey playoff season, it's, like, it's a lot of hockey podcasts. And those you need to listen to immediately. Do Because they're going to be outdated immediately.
1: (laughs) That is true. Right, because the music's always going to be there to go to. I mm-hmm. find myself listening to a lot of like sports radio and things yeah. like that. So, uh, some podcasts. Um, I hate when there's podcasts that I like, and then they start to bore me a little bit. I I hate when that happens. It's it. It's kind of kind of a bummer, like you see it sitting there just waiting for you to hit play on it, and you're like, nah,
0: yeah, um, I don't have. I don't I don't really have that problem. I have it with specific episodes of You Made It Weird because as as much as I love Pete Holmes and all the like comedian episodes that he does, he'll have like some Uber nutritionist on and then he'll have like some like Franciscan monk on and then they'll just talk about like religion the whole time or they'll just talk about how like everything I like to eat is bad for you and I should be eating everything but that. That's a bummer. I don't want to listen to those episodes.
1: Yeah, I'll listen to Back to the Future over that. <clears throat> uh by the way, Paul the song that I was referencing is called Burn It Down from the <clears throat> Van Helsing soundtrack. So if anybody has any interest whatsoever and you have a cool music streaming service like Spotify or Apple Music, check it out. A pretty cool song.
0: I feel like I should see um I feel like I should see Van Helsing again. I'm sure it's not... It's probably as bad as you remember I don't it. remember it being bad, though. I remember it being like, eh, yeah, that was a movie. It was by
1: the guy that made the first G.I. Joe. Uh, I never
0: saw the first G.I. Joe because it wasn't really G.I. Joe. It didn't have enough aspects of G.I. Joe for me to want to see it. And I'm not even a big G.I. Joe guy.
1: Did you see the second one? No. Huh? I fell asleep before the second one was over. I, I watched it on Netflix, I think. And... Um, I just couldn't get into it. I was so bummed out by the first one like it it like had things that were kind of neat. I loved the way they did Snake Eyes although I didn't like his mask where you could see the molding of his lips oh, which I always yeah. thought was really strange. And then they got rid of that for the sequel. Mm-hmm. They made him look like kind of cool. But it's like who approved that in the first place? Who looked at that face molding of Snake Eyes the most beloved uh, G.I. Joe character, and you you screwed it up. How did you do that? But this also got—I forget what his name is. Isn't it like um, Soderberg or something? Is that Steven
0: Soderberg? No, maybe I don't know. I I have no idea. I remember of the like the not the not mech suits, but they had like mechanical suits that they wore and they were like running on the sides of buses right in the trailers. And I was like, this is not GI Joe. And Marlon Waynes was in it. He yeah. played some guy named Ripcord and I don't even remember him. Yep. But yeah, like, you know, bad stuff happens all the time.
1: It was uh Steven Summers. He did the, the, uh, mummy movies. He did oh. first GI Joe. He did Van Helsing. Um, you know, th- there's fun to be had in all of his movies, but none of them are like good enough to stand the test of time or anything. When it comes to uh, right, you know,
0: standing the test of time. So, how do we how do we want to segue from uh, music and podcasts that we've been taking up our time with to Free Comic Book Day?
1: well, comic books that we've been taking our time up with. I mean, this is just, you know, we're going from one form of entertainment to another. And in this case, it's stuff that we got for free uh, a week and a half ago at Free yep. Comic Book Day at our local comic book stores. Why don't we get a plug-in for that? What, what was the... Because uh, here's, the, here's the fact of the matter, Paul. These comic book stores that participate in Free Comic Book Day... Yeah, they're free for us, but they still have to pay for these books. They're basically buying us comic books. Like, I, they really don't have a choice. If you're a comic book store, it kind of comes with the territory. It's something that they've been doing. You know when they started this shit? Two, go ahead, guess. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I gave you the the century. 2001? Oh, you're so close. 2002.
0: Hmm. The first freak... I was going to say 1969... Were you really? Yes, I was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wish you would have. And then we could have laughed at you. Yeah.
0: Well, I could have. Yeah, I I, I I have no idea about the history of Free Comic Day. So 2002. 2002.
1: You know, okay, so guess how many comic books were released for Free Comic Book Day on mm. the first one?
0: Like how many?
1: How many freebies were there? Total?
0: Yeah. Seven?
1: One. By who? Marvel. Ultimate Spider-Man number one. It was it was a reprint, and it launched alongside of 2002. What movie are we talking about here? May of 2002, Spider-Man One. Hmm. So it can't. Free Comic Book Day was the day after Spider-Man One released, which at the time, you know, that was the biggest movie of that year. And ever since then, Free Comic Book Day has kind of grown. I don't know if it's grown since then. I mean, like, it has, but I, it's probably plateaued.
0: Yeah, it's 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 been a thing. Um, it it seems to, it seems to have, to have its years. You know, there have been some years where you know there was the year, Arkea did like the Mouse Guard hardback. There was a free book. Yep, I remember a, that. I think I got you know, that hardback. Oh yeah, I, I have it. And then there's other years where, like, I f- I feel like last year there was just nothing that I wanted to get. Just reprints, yeah. Um,
1: DC had a really shit showing this year. I think um, the only freebie that they had was the, uh,
0: like the, what's the thing for girls? The um, oh the superhero girls. DC superhero superhero girls. Something
1: like that. It's I mean it's aimed at like little kids.
0: Yeah, it's like um it's preteen
1: which I mean it on one hand kind of makes sense it's like they're trying to you know hook them young so that mm-hmm. way they'll be lifelong fans I mean I, I guess that makes
0: sense well I guess like you know DC also released that 25 cent issue that uh it's going to be leading into the stuff coming up later in the year and in right next year but when, hey. was that the year before or was that the week before free comic book day
1: I yeah, wasn't, yes. Since yeah.
0: I've been on vacation, I feel like I'm, like it, I'm still. Rea- yes, reac- it was the
1: week before Free Comic Book Day, or well, not the. It was the Wednesday before, I believe. It came out Wednesday, and then Free Comic Book Day was Saturday,
0: and. Um, so how much like it's to a twenty-five cent issue? Just wait, and release it on Free Comic Book Day.
1: Well, right? yeah, like that's just I don't understand. Like that seems like kind of a shystery move by. By DC mm-hmm. like Marvel came out with two books this um, this free comic book day that were that were both brand new content. What was Marvel's other book Avengers
0: Oh um, i didn't get I didn't get Avengers because i I bought um, you bought what was it that you bought? I bought Avengers number one last week.
1: Okay. Oh, did you read that? No, not yet. Okay.
0: So yeah, that's why I didn't get this, because I figured um a lot of what's in here is gonna be in that first issue, and I was like, I'll just read it. I'll just read it in the in the first issue. I, I think that's so new I stuff. This one you think this is I new. think that's brand new content. That's not gonna be in Avengers One.
1: Correct. Hmm. So yeah, DC's move to basically not have a, a real comic book this year, I thought was a little, a little odd. But Paul, it kind of seems like it's kind of in line with uh, with their most recent practice of uh, selling comic books.
0: Yeah, shyster.
1: Yeah, shysterism. You know,
0: like, it's such.
1: Well, what is it? A, what have a, they a, done?
0: Okay. Well, you why don't you why don't you tell the audience what DC's done because I actually didn't read anything about it. I didn't even know what happened until you told me about All it.
1: All right, well, audience, let me tell you something. DC has always been a champion of well, not always, but for the last several years, they have been a champion of keeping comic books affordable even in the the wake of marvel increasing their comic book prices from 2.99 to 3.99 a book which i always felt was a little high for a comic book i mean let's face it how fast we read comic books in 15 minutes 20 minutes and uh that's kind of a lot of money for 15 minutes of entertainment and um it's especially sad when you go to comic book conventions and you see comic books that you paid 3.99 for in the dollar bin mm-hmm. and most of them don't really even retain their value.
0: Yeah, they don't appreciate well.
1: No. I mean, the occasional one can make you all kinds of money. But for every Walking Dead number 1, there is a
0: <laughs> there's an Aquaman 37. There's an
1: Aquaman 37.
0: DC like I liked what D C was doing mo- mostly because it benefited me. Um a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the main a lot of the main superhero books, like the main name titles like Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, those books were two ninety nine. But then, um, you know, I think Superman and Action Comics were were both uh two ninety nine. But then if they did like a if there was a special mini series or a uh, uh, different run on a book, like if like release a Harley Quinn book or something like that, would bump up to to three ninety nine. Right. But all the stuff I was getting was two ninety nine. Right. Not anymore. Well, not on anymore. the The thing is, you're talking
1: about post New Fifty Two. If you go back to pre New Fifty Two, DC drew a line in the sand. Almost literally, and they called it drawing the line at two ninety
0: nine. Yeah, there was it, a there was an Ivan Reyes poster. Yeah. where they had literally drawn a line in the sand.
1: Right at two ninety nine. 99 yeah. their comic books were going to be two ninety nine, and the competition could you know be three ninety nine all they wanted, but two ninety nine felt like a reasonable price for a comic book. It was a long standing. Uh, way to price comic book and it felt like that it had become the standard. it had become uh, what I felt was fair. Like I didn't feel like I was being overcharged. It just felt like that was right yeah um, but it felt like Marvel had kind of jumped to 399 so quickly and over the years they had started including a digital copy of the comic book. Which I think is pretty cool. I like having the digital version. Uh, I typically rip off the the little code on every mm. Marvel book I get, and I and I get the digital version. It's a nice way to build a digital library, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I think
0: I'd rather just pay the two ninety nine. Um, yeah, I never like for a while there, I was pulling off the tab and putting the Marvel codes into. Uh, the marvel app or comicsology or whatever whatever they're using now but i quit doing it because i just wasn't like i read the book and i'm done with the book like i don't like they're not this isn't this isn't a a novel that like i'm gonna return to like over and over again well if that's the
1: case paul why do you collect why don't you just sell them give them away throw them away
0: I don't know. Like there's certain like there's certain runs um, that I I would definitely want to hang on to, but like for the most part, you know your basic comic book run is pretty disposable. So I don't think it should be more than two ninety nine because of that. Like yeah, like if you have the entire run of The Walking Dead, or if you're if you have the entire run of Ultimate Spider Man or something like that, but you know even books like Batman and Superman or uh, you know Captain America, you know they just keep going and keep going. There's no start finish you know beginning and end of these, so you the best you can do is like pick and choose which runs you wanna get when which creators were on which stories you like mm-hmm. and like yeah, I'll definitely keep those i you know I really liked uh the Rand Thanagar War mini-series from years ago. I liked Salvation Run, the, the DC did, so I'll hang on to that stuff. But, you know, for the most part, like all the Aquaman comics that I've gotten, really good stories, really liked it, but I don't think, like, I don't know, Like I feel bad saying that because I don't want to, I don't want to pile on to, to Aquaman because I really like those books. They're really, really good comic books. But I'm not going to go back to that stuff, but same with, you know, this Green Lantern run. This is how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps run. I really like it. The Raphael Sandoval artwork is out of this world. But probably not going to buy the trade. Like, there's no real reason for me to go back to it. Like, it's just not... A, a lot of the weekly stuff coming out just isn't monumental to warrant a bigger price tag in order to keep it around. Right. I don't know.
1: Wait. And here's the kind of the bummer. They are not giving you the digital code with the increased um, price tag like Marvel does. So well, they will for uh, I believe number one issues and other commemorative issues, I don't think they really specified what that meant, but even still, you're not going to get every issue, a digital code. It's, it's just not going to happen. And I think that stinks like it, it's absolutely going to affect whether I buy a comic book or not. I think every for the big two, at least I think every one of those books should come with the digital code. I at three ninety nine, it really doesn't cost you anything extra because it's, it's like double dipping. Anybody that's going to maybe yeah. buy it digitally <clears throat> probably won't if they buy the hard co- or the hard copy and vice versa.
0: I was, uh, I listened to, um, our good buddy Grimace, on the Fireside Chat podcast today, and he was complaining that uh, he asked for hot sauce at Taco Bell and they gave him one packet. You're fucking Taco Bell, motherfuckers. You can afford to give me 100 packets and it's no sweat off your back.
1: That's that's how (laughs) I feel. One packet is insane. For like...
0: Yeah, yeah, for like... That's
1: their way of saying fuck you without saying fuck you.
0: Right. Like, you're fucking... And same, like when McDonald's started charging for ketchups. No, no, they don't, they charge for dipping sauce. Regardless. You're fucking McDonald's. You're not, you know, like Joe's Burger Shop down the street. You're fucking McDonald's. How dare you charge me for dipping sauce, you motherfuckers. You cheap... Motherfucking pricks, and this is how the same principles apply to Marvel and DC for not giving out the the digital code. Right, digital codes are like dipping sauce. The books, the digital versions are out there anyway for the strictly digital customer. It's not like, well, now we need to now we need to convert this to digital as well. Those versions already exist. You're just giving us access to it. We already bought your fucking book. You already upcharged us another dollar. Give me the fucking digital copy. I don't fucking care if I'm not going to read it. Give it to me. <laughs> if <laughs> if 97 of these 100 hot sauces go in the fucking garbage, right. that's my business.
1: I think it's hilarious when they do that. Because like the other extreme is they will put more hot sauce packets in your bag than there is burrito. <laughs> you know, it's it's hilarious. So like, you want any sauce with that? Yeah, sure, I'll have some mild. <laughs> you open the bag when you get home and it it's like open, it's like a cartoon, you open the closet door and everything just falls out of <laughs> well, it. Well, that's what that's you
0: know, that's the MO for Chinese places. Like, you open a bag what? of Chinese food and like half of it is soy sauce and and duck uh, sauce. spicy mustard and duck sauce. Like I'm if I saved all of this and used it for like every time I ordered Chinese, I would never, ever use all of it. Right. Like there's just way too much. And if I give
1: you one fortune cookie,
0: just one. No, just one fortune. I get I get multiples. Oh, no, just one. At number one Chinese kitchen.
1: And you got to ask specifically for the chopsticks. Come on.
0: I'm American. I eat with a fucking fork. I can't use chopsticks. Is that why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be the guy just stabbing my food with the chopsticks. You can't use chopsticks? Not with not with any um any dexterity, no.
1: I mean, I realize eating rice isn't exactly the easiest thing in the world with a chopstick. <sighs> why the fuck would they do that? Why would they do what?
0: Why would why is like rice their primary food and their primary utensil is the chopsticks?
1: That is a good question. Uh,
0: so, yeah, like if if number Noodles. one If number one Chinese kitchen can afford to give me a billion spicy mustards, McDonald's, you can give me more than two honey mustards. Two is their number. They don't
1: go more than two. You could get a 20-piece Chicken McNuggets, and they'll give you two. Oh, yeah, can I get some extra uh, spicy mustards? Oh, we're going to have to charge you 30 cents a piece. No.
0: Like, I know it's not... I know it's not the cashier's fault, but that's one I want to like rip them through the drive-through window <laughs> and smash their face into the pavement. Do you
1: ever do you ever watch um public meltdown videos on YouTube? Mm-hmm. So many of them sound like what you just described and they take place at fast food restaurants. There is there is some kind of insane expectation for premium service at not premium prices um which is funny with that said free fucking condiments let's be realistic like you're gonna start charging for the straw next
0: yeah and it's that's it's that's what incenses me most is that the mom and pop number one chinese kitchen up the street will overload me i don't use any soy sauce they'll give me a thousand Every one of them goes into the garbage. They don't fucking give a shit. But McDonald's is gonna nickel and dime me over honey mustards. They are lucky I haven't burned it down yet. That's on record. <laughs> we
1: can edit that part out if you'd like.
0: <laughs> so yeah, like D s like, come on, DC. Like if like I'm I never ever well, very rarely do I download the, the, the digital ones. I'm not even gonna use it. But if you're upcharging me, give give me a I'm like. Give me a good it. reason <laughs> to, to 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 upcharge me because I haven't like. I don't know if it's if 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 it's I'm from the comic book reading generation that thinks three ninety nine is too much. But there have been books where like I've seen a preview and I'll be like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. uh three ninety nine. I'm not gonna get that.
1: I I'm the same way. Absolutely. Like And I, now without the digital copy, that to me that is an incentive to buy the the book versus you know not having it. It's not like, oh, I don't care. I want that to be there. Um I I wonder what the reaction has been so far. I haven't really looked and I wonder if it if it is negative, if DC will kinda of cave the way Marvel did uh what was it maybe 6 months ago something like that maybe 9 months ago when they stopped oh, they, putting They took the it cor- out for
0: like a month.
1: Well, they didn't take it out. They they stopped putting the corresponding uh digital comic mm-hmm. book code in there and they started giving you like other stuff they were trying to promote. Like I don't know, Captain Marvel or um Yeah,
0: it's like here's we took out the, Invincible the, the, the Iron digital Heart. copy of your book, but here's the first three pages of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you.
1: That's very polite. So, Paul, on Free Comic Book Day... Okay, well, I'm sorry. Before we go there, um, with this price increase, I mean, are you, are you going to now be a bit more selective?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um it's just I, I just think it's too much. Like 2.99 seems to be a nice even price for a comic book. You know, 3 bucks. Now I'm going to be paying 4 bucks. That's almost $5. And then when you add tax to it. Book. It's almost $5. It's, it's almost $5. And that's 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 too much for one fucking comic book. It's not any extra pages. It's not in any kind of special format. It's just your basic comic book and what fuck when Marvel did it they they stripped the the cover of, you know, weight. It's like the, the entire book's like interior stock now. <laughs> it's thinner than the interior. So it's tracing like, paper. Yeah, like uh, yeah, it's it's gonna make for some 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 hard decisions coming up.
1: I would agree with that. Um I th- here's what I think is going to happen. I think people are going to bitch and it and basically demand that they at least give the digital copy on top of it. And that, so. and that will probably happen, uh, six, nine months ago, something like that. When Marvel stopped giving the corresponding digital code, there was an outcry. People were pissed off. They, everybody called Marvel out on their, on their bullshit. And Marvel, Uh, Marvel went back and they said okay we listened and we're going to start giving you the corresponding digital code and everybody seemed pretty happy with that Um, so I I think we're just going to have to get used to 399 comic books across the board oh yeah we don't have a choice but right we don't have a choice there but come on give us the digital
0: Mm -hmm. so free comic book day was two Wednesdays ago
1: well it was it was a Saturday Oh yeah, it was it was Saturday. Yeah. Hmm. So it was it was two Saturdays ago. I mean, it wasn't 2 days ago, which was Saturday. Uh it was the Saturday before that.
0: Yeah, I didn't go on Free Comic Book Day, um but my local comic book store, Phantom of the Attic, had um plenty of issues left. Um and the only thing I got was the Amazing Spider-Man cuz it's a book that I plan on picking up when it releases. And um <clears throat> yeah, I would have got this, had I known this was new Avengers stories, or a new Avengers story leading into Avengers number one, maybe I'd have picked it up. But
1: Well, you can just have that, Paul.
0: Um, it will, it was free, it's no sweat off your back, and I appreciate that.
1: Well, I mean, I don't have another one, so I mean, it's um, still very big of me.
0: It is, but I, I was excited to get Amazing Spider-Man, and um,
1: Matt, you got it too, you read it tonight. I did, yeah, I was excited about it. Because this is, um, it's the first uh, Amazing Spider-Man, A, not written by Dan Slott in over 10 years. Oh, that's crazy. And it's also got artwork by uh, Ryan Otley, who Mm -hmm. is, I wouldn't say he's a favorite artist of mine, but he's a guy that I like a lot. And going into it, my feeling was, I think this guy is actually a good fit for this this book. And uh, so this is the first thing. I guess this is kind of a preview issue the regular series is going to is going to resume after so number uh 800 is is coming out in is it 800 or 700 it's it's 800 right i don't know i
0: yeah like I, I think it's, it's 800 number
1: 800 and it's coming out um i actually it might be this wednesday but after that, this is going to be the first issue. I guess they're going to maintain legacy numbering, so technically it'll be 801, but that'll be in the the fine print. Mm-hmm. The big, you know, splashy uh, number on it is going to be number one. So uh, the comic book is written by uh, Nick Spencer, and it's drawn by Ryan Otley of Invincible fame. Um, Paul, you read it. What were your initial thoughts?
0: Um... I liked it. I think it felt like a Spider-Man book. It was... See, I picked up one of the... I picked up the first couple dance slot issues right after um, Doc Ock stopped being Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. There was a whole thing where his consciousness went into Peter's body, and that was the new status quo Spider-Man was. Doc Ock for a while. And then of course that ended. Peter was back to being Peter and I was like, All right, this is a good jumping on point. It's gonna, you know, kick off a Spider Man story. But at the time, you know, Spider you know, Peter was in the CEO of Parker Industries and they were yep. a multinational corporation and he had like the spider buggy in the light up suit. Flying and, car. Um, he was dating this uh little person that he worked with. And like, it was just so outside of what I knew about Spider Man, and in, in the traditional, in the sense. traditional, yeah, in, in in the traditional sense. But this feels very much traditional Spider Man. He's in New York. He's you know very uh, fiscally conscious, looking for uh, a cheap place to live with um, Robbie Robertson's son, whose name I. I think it's Obi, uh, <laughs> Obi, Robertson. Obi Robertson. Uh, Randy Robertson. Ah, of course. With uh, Randy Robertson, yeah, it seems you know it seems very, very traditional Spider-Man. He busts up the new female Electro, someone named Boomerang, and uh, Rhino, Kingpins, the Mayor. Everything feels very traditional Marvel. A lot of familiar faces, yep. familiar situations. So. I thought it was pretty good.
1: Yeah. They made Kingpin the mayor in the, the recent daredevil run, which has actually been kind of interesting. And obviously uh, he's making a play for something mm-hmm. and I don't think we really know what exactly yet, but I mean, it seems like it's kind of an analog to maybe Donald Trump becoming the president maybe. or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of there with you. It, it, it's definitely a back-to-basics approach by putting Spider-Man back in New York City, and he's down on his luck, and like you said, he's kind of uh, fiscally conscious. and and,
0: Yeah, it sounds like he's just a photographer again.
1: Yeah, Nick Spencer basically wrote, or not wrote, but he, he was quoted as saying, uh, when he got the job as the as the next writer on this comic book, is that he was going to go back to basics or take a back to basics approach, which, as you know, I'm not a big fan of that kind of language. I always feel like it's it's hollow, empty promises that, yeah. that don't mean anything. Because well, you're trying- because
0: because it, it's it's always coupled with um, like I'm gonna take take this character in directions he's never been in before, right? But right. also honoring the tried and true. Right and How go the back fuck to basics. do, you do that? It's,
1: it's like you try it right it's it's like a a, a list, a checklist and I, all the stupid shit you have to say when you take over a comic. Yeah, Bendis said the same
0: thing yeah. when Superman was right.
1: announced. Um with that said, it really did feel like a back to basics approach. Yeah. Now, uh with a with a a writer that I felt like was a little bit in love with his words uh he was trying real hard to be quippy on just about every word balloon and it it became a bit tedious to read you know there was the this isn't the typical flow of a Spider-Man comic that I'm after i always felt like the best flowing Spider-Man was Brian Michael Bendis on um Ultimate Spider-Man earlier on mm-hmm. i felt like as that comic book went Bendis became more and more in love with his words, and the comic book took longer to read, and there yeah. was more to it. But w- when it started, it was it was like kind of truncated. It was punchy, and this thing is not that. It it's quippy and clever, but long winded at the same time. You kept saying, "Oh yeah, it was a full issue." It's not a full issue. It was a half an issue, but it felt like it was a full it's issue. Ten pages, I'm right? Of comic book because there's so many words in it mm. it it was tedious i thought
0: it was uh, I, and like maybe maybe this is something nick spencer is going to figure out once he writes it more but i hope he pulls back on the quippy peterness because like he's supposed to be irritating to the bad guys not the reader i'm and, and yep. like it got to exactly. a point in these 10 pages where i'm like peter shut the fuck up like you don't need to make a joke after every everything someone else says, right? And that's what it was, you know. Everyone, well, you know, every bad guy would say something to him, and every it was an immediate joke out of out of Peter's mouth. Like it doesn't need to be that much,
1: right? Cool. And it felt like um, the character at the end of the comic book. The, here was my big issue with with the whole thing, you know. I could. He's settling in, right? Nick Spencer is settling into the into the writer's responsibility of Spider-Man, and it might take a little bit of time. But my problem with this issue is that in the very beginning, they recap Spider-Man. They recap his origin, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. It's even said right away that... Um, Um. Uh, and yes then came the personal tragedy tragedy I could have averted uh, which he's referencing Uncle Ben's death he could have stopped a robber earlier in the day uh, and he chose not to because that was beneath him and as it turned yeah. out that's the guy that killed his his uncle well what does Spider-Man do at the very end of this issue?
0: He lets Boomerang go.
1: Yeah, he says not my
0: problem. Oh yeah. I and I does, thought
1: Either you're 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 going somewhere with this and it seems inconsequential. <clears throat> Maybe you will kill, you know, Aunt May or something. Yeah. Um or you just forgot who the fuck you're writing.
0: Yeah, I didn't um like when I that felt weird to me at the end, but I didn't think long enough on it to figure out why. But I was like, "Oh, he's just he's just going to let him go." And I I under, like I understand in the story, you know, like um, you know, Kingpin shows up with the cops and you know, Spider-Man's like, "Alright, big tough mayor, he's your problem now." Right. But yeah, at the same time, like he's not really. I mean, Spider Man's better equipped to deal with boomerang than the kingpin and the police. So yeah, that's a. That's it was a, weird. A weird it, thing. it
1: seemed like it to me. It felt like more of a means to an end. Like they wanted to get him away, so that way Peter could show up at the apartment at the very end and realize, oh my god, this guy is my roommate. Which is, I like that. I like that it's making it more personal. It's it's because when you do that to me, things start to kind of like unfold naturally it's it's like a story that tells itself Mm -hmm. but at the same time i feel like that is clearly a fundamental aspect that makes spider-man spider-man and nick spencer just like completely ignored that because i think he ignored it to get us to that end which was boomerang's gonna be spider-man's um peter parker's roommate. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's going somewhere with this. The editors
0: let that go, too. What's that? The editors let that go, too. That's true. So, I mean...
1: Well, maybe they're not as astute as we are here at the McSauce Comical Podcast. Clearly
0: not. But maybe maybe it was... You know, maybe they sat around and they were like, I have no idea how to get him at the apartment at the end and still, like, let him go. Mm -hmm. Without making Peter seem like he doesn't know what he's doing. Cause he he handles you know these three bad guys or four bad guys including the big wheel, <laughs> which I guess is <laughs> that a, looks like General
1: a, Grievous's truck or whatever yeah, from which is from, a Genesis. I guess is
0: a deep cut from you know Spider-Man lore, uh, but ultimately I liked it. I think it's weird on this cover how you know Peter's swinging, and he's drinking his coffee and eating his donut, and his donuts like he's carrying his donut by a web mm-hmm. and that's like it's i, I look at him like well one that's gonna be impossible to eat and two that's gross
1: well i mean i really don't care about that i mean just pull that part of it off it's just, um, wasting
0: your donut man
1: i like that cover a lot actually i think boomerang looks kind of dumb on it but rhino looks awesome i love mm-hmm. the way you know spider-man's swinging in there and it's adding tons of personality. Um, It's cool. I think it's a cool cover.
0: Yeah, it's a great cover.
1: I was, uh, which is a great start, because like I said, I was really excited about Ryan Otley being the guy on this book. And to a degree, I still am, but I I was a little overall underwhelmed with the artwork. Maybe not even underwhelmed, maybe just a little disappointed. I felt like it was not his best work. Uh, maybe he needs to settle into drawing Spider-Man. I felt like,
0: um. Well, I think this is their first, both of them, Spencer and Otley, this is their first time on Spider-Man. Right. And this is, like, this isn't, this isn't, like, their first time on Cyborg. Or, you know, their first time on, you know, like, whatever B or C list character. This is Spider-Man. Right. So, Probably gonna take them a while to settle in, get used to how they wanna tell the story, get yeah. comfortable with it, like not be completely terrified that what they're doing is gonna suck.
1: Not to sound like a ancient, you know, angry old fart, but Ian and I were looking at some old um amazing Spider-Man pages from uh from the nineties and late eighties that like Larson, Eric Larson drew and McFarland drew, and and the page layouts were so fun to look at. Like they were such unorthodox uh, panel breakdowns. You know, you'd have like one long panel, like cutting right down vertically through the page, and it would have Spider-Man just like kind of breaking every every wall of the panel, hmm. and it it was just so fun to look at. And then I look at this and it's so perfectly kind of gridded out. And I mean, he Ryan Otley breaks the grid a little bit, but not to that degree of, of dynamism that I wish that he did that. I know he's capable of, I know he can do it. I just feel like it, it pales in comparison to like what I've seen before. Um, I I think he's going to get better at drawing Spider-Man in this world.
0: Well, he also has to draw these pages around all of this dialogue.
1: Well, that's true, too. I mean, boy, that is a lot of words.
0: Yeah, so, like, I don't know how much that... I mean, he probably has to be a little more rigid to make sure all that stuff is is getting in there. That's true. I don't know if uh, these guys are able to play fast and loose with each other just yet.
1: Well, Paul, before we sign off for the night, um, I would like to ask you, how do you feel like this first stab at Spider-Man compares to Brian Michael Bendis' first stab at Superman?
0: I haven't... We haven't really gotten it yet.
1: Well, it was in the uh, one number 1,000 of um, um Action
0: Comics. It was about as long uh, as yeah, this was. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of Superman in that. It was a lot of... His underwear. Everyone else's perspective on Superman. Yeah. Um like until I think this is I think this is better. This is more of what I want from a new writer taking over a classic character. Um Bendis's wasn't really like Superman was in it. I think um he maybe had two, three word balloons. They were re- real brief. It was more about how Metropolis is reacting to a fight that he's in than it is what Superman's actually up to. True. So I don't think you can read like, this book is about Peter. It's about, you know, Peter dealing with trying to find an apartment and then having to go fight, and then the bad guy's his roommate. Like, it's absolutely from Peter's perspective. So, like, I- I'm way more confident in Spencer and Otley on this book than I am Bendis. Mm-hmm. Because, like, one of the things that terrified me about Bendis is. Um, and he keeps saying it, and I'm like, "Stop saying that." He keeps saying he wants to be as um, additive as possible, and I'm like, "I'm." What like, does that mean? He wants to just add more things to the mythology. So the bad wow. guy in this has something to do with Krypton and right, right, Superman's right. past, but it's no one we've ever seen before. So like, and he, I think he's kind of stupid looking. I don't know who designed him, but he's got these like. Weird giant lips and yeah, he's got the hair teeth lip. teeth, and yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, looks
1: like the monster in um, Evil Dead 2, That the blonde haired dude that ate hair kind of
0: has that face. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so I I think this is a better this is a better look, but I'm I'm looking forward to um, Benice's Man of Steel min- miniseries. Mm-hmm. See how that plays out um see what he does there. So, you, I agree. Are you uh, going to get Spider-Man?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I um I didn't love the writing in this, but I liked kind of the tone yeah. though. I liked how they did bring Spider-Man back to basics. I generally like the artwork. There are certain um illustrations and everything that I thought were were really good. You know, I like the <clears throat> way that he drew Rhino. Uh, I, di- I just didn't care for the way he drew Spider-Man. <laughs> um, so maybe, maybe that will kind of improve over the next, you know, few issues and then it'll really get, um, tightened up. But, uh, I mean, I certainly liked it better than what Dan Slott was doing. I could tell you that.
0: Yeah. This feels,
1: this feels
0: like good Spider-Man, yeah, it classic feel- Spider-Man.
1: Right. It feels like this guy understands who Spider-Man is, um, It's still a bummer, though, that, you know, they never rectified the fact that they undid years and years of continuity by having him not married to Mary Jane anymore, and they just, they just changed it, and it just, to this day, feels cheap. Is Mary Jane around? I believe so. I believe they were dating or something. I don't know. I don't know what Dan Slott was doing. I'm just
0: glad he's gone. Yeah, I I don't know either, but I'm excited that era's over. Nick Spencer era starts. And we'll see. We'll see how long it lasts. Uh, I mean,
1: hopefully, hopefully it's great, and hopefully it lasts a long time. Um, you know, it's not like I read this and was like, "All right, next." <laughs> so, um, yeah, for for anybody that uh, that didn't make it to Free Comic Book Day yet, that didn't actually snag one of these, uh, see if your comic shop has them. Oh, and by the way, my I didn't get to plug my comic shop. Um, Arkham Gift Shop uh, in the North Hills and Duncan Comics also in the North Hills both uh, provided some wonderful free material. Excellent. Paul, is that going to do it for us for tonight?
0: Yeah, that is absolutely going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Thanks to all of the Ian Sharpley fans that stuck around for this episode without uh, the man of the hour.
1: It definitely felt kind of like a ship without a rudder we, we were a little aimless, but
0: um, oh, um, it you know it, it probably wasn't as aimless. It, I mean, it, it's probably just as aimless when he's here. <laughs> I it, think what, what felt what felt, so, felt it just felt different is because we haven't done a two-man booth in a long time. So I think that's that's what it was. We could often into a whole bunch of shit even when he's here. He's not. He's no help. He's keeping things listen in order. To this. What? He's no help keeping things in order.
1: Oh. Yeah, I guess. Well, he does housekeeping nicely, better than I do it.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, we do, you know, we kick off every episode with Street Fighter talk.
1: He's going to be mad when he <laughs> listens back to this. He's going to be like, those fuckers talked about video games <laughs> when I'm not there. He's going to be so annoyed with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. Watch, like, the next episode. I miss you, you guys. are going to have Transformers talk. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, Check us out on social media. Give us some good reviews. And come see us this weekend at uh, Century 3 Mall, Three Rivers Comic Con, uh, May 19th and 20th, 20th, Saturday and Sunday. We'll see you next time. And I'm Matt Casale. Oh, yeah, I'm Paul McGinty.